It's just it's it's a wild subject because coming up, uh, just financials in general, just for me because I kind of got thrown into owning my own business and working for myself. Right. And I got thrown into this because I picked a camera up and I was good at it. So right. that's great. That's awesome. <clears throat> right. But like, they don't teach you all the stuff on the back end, and school didn't teach me that either. So it's like I never really learned the right way to make your money, make money type mm -hmm. of situation. Right. So now you start looking into things like that because I'm gonna be 32 in August. I'm single, I'd like to have a family in the next five to 10 years. And I'm thinking, how do you create generational wealth? How do you compound the money that you're making in a smart way where you don't lose it all? Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm not going to buy Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you don't, you, know, you don't take these huge, crazy financial risks, but I'd like to own a house at some point. Yep. Maybe a house here, maybe a house in another state. Who the hell knows? But as we were mentioning before, you start looking at what 100 grand gets you. Nothing. Not only not only in just life, right. but in a yearly annual salary. It's just it's crazy. It's insane. It's, I'm looking at markets of the housing in in Huntington Village, <laughs> let's say, in, in the Huntington area. What 700, 800 grand gets you? It's laughable. It's yep. laughable. Yeah. You look at this, you're like. Oh, so now I'm a carpenter too, and I'm an appliance guy because I'm going to have to do all, all this shit yeah, right. by myself. The right. island is also very much insulated from the rest of the country, though, in terms of real estate values. I mean, like if you want to buy in Nassau County, you're you're splurging. You know, you you look at the contributing factors: school district, uh, you know, healthcare. I, yeah, and there, it's yeah. it's kind of night and day. But I mean, by proxy of where you're physically located, I I get it. It's expensive, but you start looking at other areas, though. Even Florida. Yeah, Let's just I, give Florida as an example. Florida used to be pretty medium, middle of the road to be yeah. able to buy something really now it's nice. Out of control. Oh, it's out of control. I think crazy. another major it's, insurer it's, just it's, left the other it's, day. It's out of control, and and then you look at the healthcare system down there, and you go, okay, I'd rather be here. Yeah, it's not right. awesome. It's, no. it's, it's, the healthcare system yeah. down there is it sucks. Yeah. Right. So it's like, okay, well, this is why I live in New York, right? Because. I've got I've got a good school district. I've got you know I've got good you know good safety and and so forth, and I also have good health care, right? So that's why I'm paying for that. But I pay through the nose, through the right. nose, through and the nose. Is it? And then you have to have that Libra scale. Is it worth it? Like, am I going to balance this out? What you know? Is there another area that is more affordable that I'd be able to go? Not only have a good quality of life, be able to actually rest a little bit because. Burnout's real for everybody yeah. in every industry, yep. across everything. I talk a lot with creatives. I talk a lot of people in the fitness industry. Yep. And burnout's real for everybody across every 100%. single industry. 100%. So it's like, you need that downtime. Am I really getting it in a New York, in a tri-state area? Well, yeah, okay, maybe I'll go on a vacation. But with that high-paced feel, it's like you feel like I'm laying on my – I had surgery last year. Right. I'm laying on my couch for a month trying to recover. And I'm sitting there just going, oh, man, it's another month. It's another month. Like you have that – Oh, that itch that you mm -hmm. want to just keep going and get right back to it. And I think that's also a product of our environment, of where we are. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, this is a it's a fast paced environment. And you've you've gotta be you gotta be in tune with it. You gotta keep up with it. Uh, but if you move down south, right, yeah, you're gonna get a slower pace. You're also not gonna have as many job opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then you have to give up, you know, the, the healthcare side is where you're giving up quite a bit, right? Because you're not gonna get the same health care you're gonna get here. You know, you're not going to get, you know, for example, our inventor got stage four, you know, neck cancer, right? Neck uh, cancer. Uh, yeah. Which was uh, throat cancer. Damn. And, um, and why you saved his life. 
You know, it's, it, you know, that's it, not true. It, Ian Parker saved his life. He's just too humble to admit it. So <laughs> we, we, we got him here, but NYU, had, NY, I didn't, I didn't tell NYU what to do. They, they did that. Yeah, that but you part. got him here. Yeah, we got him right. here. We got him here in the nick of time, but uh, he was living down in Mexico. Oh, and, damn. You know, he, 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 he and I had a conversation. I said, listen, Dan, you gotta, you gotta get your butt on a plane like today. He's like, well, give me a week. I'm like, I haven't seen you, but you know, I hear your voice. You know, I, I haven't seen you on on you know on a Zoom or anything like that. But it just sounds like this thing's getting worse. So you better get on, get your butt on a plane. What was it getting? So, he's getting the closed off t- uh, type sounding, or was it just this thing? Was, this thing looked like half an apple. It's like a goiter popping out of his neck. Oh, yeah, they yeah. actually had a tumor cr- like yeah. popping out. Yeah. Damn. And now that thing, that thing, when he got here, was the size of a grapefruit. Right now, that thing is the size of a bean. Right, and they're, it's controlled now. Yeah, it's the size of a bean right now. They, they, are they going to remove it, or are they just going to? They're quite confident that uh, he's going to come out, you know, free. You know, wow, knock amazing. Wood, knock, yeah, knock on wood. So, um, it's and it's been you know two months of treatment. Things sh- shrunk. It's amazing. Yeah. So you look at the healthcare side of things. <clears throat> I I can definitely understand that. Do you look at the schooling side? Look at the school too. I mean, schooling. You know, you may or may not be giving something up there, depending on where you're going. You know, um, but you, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more for kids to do here than there's going to be down down there. So, again, there's a give and take to all of that stuff, and that's where you, as you said, you got to kind of put it on a scale and go, okay, what, what am I comfortable with? And that's life. That's in business too. I that's, mean, there's a million and one decisions that get made in a single day that you have to hit that scale and, right. and say, oh, well, is my time better spent doing this? Should we go with this type of a, a, a resource? Should we do this, that? And like, it kind of gets crazy. Could you imagine, for example, Matt Vogel not having access to Peter Luger's? Never. Yeah. So we still got to do the, We still got to do, <laughs> <laughs> do the Luger cast. I know, like, I, honestly, if I got, uh, you know, like a, like Lyme disease or something and I couldn't eat steak or whatever the... <laughs> You know, sub subsequent problems were just kill me. Have just you heard? Have you heard I, about I don't want to live. I, I know you live. know about it. I know. Lone Star Tick. Lone Star Tick. Yep. If you get bit no. by the Lone Star Tick. Can't you're eat meat. Alerted to red meat. Kill me. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm shot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go swim. I'm gonna go swim in the uh, in the South Shore right. for a few. I'll get I'll get swept up by a shark. We'll be good. Done. That'd it's be fine. it. That'd be a quick way. Oh my god. <laughs> he might not want you because you know you don't have enough red meat in you. thinking about it. Yeah. Did you order Force of Nature by the way? I did not. It's in my list. Haven't done it yet. Good. Oh my god! Yeah. Those, those little venison. I mean, first off, the you, venison. You actually got to take a look. This pretty. The venison yeah. tomahawks. I, I had a couple people laughing because I put it on my story. So they're venison tomahawks, but they look big until you put like your finger next to it because they're it's a venison. It's a mm-hmm. little deer. It's a, a grass-fed deer. It's like right. <laughs> the steak is this fucking big. So my friends commented on it. It really is. Right, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, one of my buddies commented on it. He goes, "Yo, bro, you shouldn't have put your finger next to it because I, 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 put, I poked the, the the meat of it just to show like it was rare." Yeah. He goes, "You shouldn't." Have. I thought it was or at least big zoom, or at least zoom in, get, right? Get, yeah. get, get a get a smaller paper plate when you put it <laughs> yeah. down. It's, uh, that way. I said, right. I, I don't have my phone it's over there. Right. I said, I said, don't worry about my little steak medallion thingy. Don't worry about <laughs> it, bro. Right. Um, take it, take it next to a travel-sized deodorant. You know, just like make it. I'm tell- is my phone? Over there? Right. Yeah. Matt, grab, grab my phone. Grab my. Fo- it's over there by the end. This guy. Yeah, I gotta just show you, just just to make you laugh. Go for it. Because it's hysterical. It's so. It looks so stupid. Yeah. Amazing. While I search this up, uh, Mr. Ian Parker, welcome, welcome. I've heard nothing but amazing things about you from. Mr. Vogel, hi. Who has uh, brought some amazing people into my life, and I appreciate that as as always. My pleasure. Um, my podcast is pretty diverse. 
I like to sit down and talk to anybody. That's great. And I like to just shoot the shit and learn new things and have people that tune into my stuff and my content learn new shit as well. Because that's, that's great. it's a lot of stuff we don't know about. Yes. And uh, there's some cool technologies <clears throat> that your company, uh, Helixa, right? Helixa. Helixa, uh, that you guys do. And I have some general questions because I'm not very versed on the technology of what you guys do. Water deprivation, right? Deposition. Deposition. Yep. Water deposition. Yep. Um, yeah, I got it right there. So uh, I have general questions, but I kind of want to, once we get into it, I just want to hear, you know, just how this started and what got we're, you into it. So as a, as a quick preface uh, for your listeners, um, you know, I, I get to meet a, a pretty interesting number of people in my travels, in my work, in my life, uh, partnerships, strategic partnerships, et cetera. Uh, Ian is the smartest guy I know, hands down. And more importantly, the hardest working. So aside from blowing smoke up your ass, and I'll stop in a second, the reality is uh, I've never seen somebody navigate through challenges and create solves for problems that I didn't even know existed the way Ian can. So listening uh, to the story and understanding the history of this technology and Ian's you know, instrumental participation in co-developing the tech is nothing shy of amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us on the show. Really appreciate that. And Matt, thanks for the kind words. I, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, I would consider myself the smartest guy in the room at any given time, because what you find is that you would, especially in, in my position, you find yourself in a room with a lot of smart people at a lot of given times. And there is, you find that collaborating with all of these very intelligent people if you collaborate properly, you put things on a whiteboard, all of a sudden you see these great ideas come out. And it's, it's about being open-minded. It's about asking questions about, you know, what you don't know as you're going to do today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's about, you know, getting that data and getting those answers and then starting to make decisions based on, based on what, you know, what you're learning. On the topic of your company, how did you get involved with, I guess, the foundation of it? What made you interested in did you did the technology come to you? Did you research it? Did you want to make a change? Like how did how did Helixa how did that, I'm pronouncing it right? Right? Yes. Okay, I just want to make yes, sure. Yes, I don't want to be yeah, like yeah. a dumbass not pronouncing it the correct way. Um, how did you get involved and decide that that's something that you wanted to jump into, the water deposition? So when we started Helixa, that was that was back in in really 2018, and the concept was I'd been involved in private equity and turnarounds. Uh, prior to that, I've worked with a lot of really incredible people along the way. So the idea was to create USCO, right? Create create one for create a company for us that's outside of the private equity venture capital realm, and put all these smart people in a room, equitize them, and start developing these these technologies that can potentially change the world. Uh, we started with an idea. Uh, we we knew we'd have to create technologies to do that. We found the you know the, the water deposition technology, the patents for that down in, in Mexico. They were filed in Mexico by by Daniel Lang, who is the inventor of the technology. He's an American, but he was living in the Yucatan. Um, what was Japan. he? I, I got to cut in and ask. So what was he do? He just decided to just dip out and leave. Just decided he wanted to live in the Yucatan. Cool. So, um, he he lived down there, and, and we uh, we met him along the way, and we said, okay, this is this is some pretty interesting technology. We knew enough about thermodynamics and and uh, and you know to to really sink our teeth into whether or not we thought this was a viable technology. Uh, it was still at concept mode, 
and we took it over back in really 2021, early 2021. Uh, the real knowledge transfer on the technology started in November of 2021, and then that's when the real work began. And where, where we've gotten from, from November 2021 to today is taking it from the back of a napkin to betas getting ready to be deployed into the field. That's wild. That must be an unbelievable feeling, it, like just to see everything conceptualized and then, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to start deploying things. It's, it's an amazing feeling. And, yeah. and, and you look at the work that's gone into it. You've got an incredible group down in South Carolina, Allied uh, Manufacturing, which is uh, based out of Conway. Uh, we partnered up with them. We teamed up with them, and they did a lot of the the heavy lifting on the development side. Uh, we also had a group in Spain that that contributed to to the development as well. And watching it get made, watching all of those iterations, thinking through all of those challenges and problems, having to go back and learn thermodynamics myself, uh, go back and go, okay, well, wait a second, let me talk to Dan get all the information. Let me get the white papers. Let me read the white papers. Let me ask a lot of questions about what's in these white papers. Let me buy thermodynamics for dummies and read that too, right? <laughs> Just every possible thing you can get your hands on because my attitude on, on taking these type of technologies to market is that if you're in a leadership position and you're going to be um, you know make decisions on both the product management side and the project management side, which I, I lean into both, then you got to know the details. I'd argue that more people don't know the details and that's why a lot of things go belly up because they don't engulf themselves or em embody the actual mission and the technology that they're going to be doing to have this mission come about to fruition. I could be wrong. I mean, you no, guys no, tell you guys no, probably I, you guys probably know more than I do I, in that terms. Honestly, but. I think that's a universal truth that the devil's in the details. Uh, just sidebar, are you familiar with that position? The no, no, I, I, we're going to get into yeah. it. I, I want to. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the process of deposition is essentially kind of like a mountaintop is converting a vapor to a solid. So uh, condensation is the process by turning a gas to a liquid. This is essentially zapping moisture out of the air and converting it to a solid, which is interesting because it makes our system the producer of arguably the cleanest water on earth. I'll let you elaborate. I, I would agree with that. It, the, the, so you can go... The, the, the legacy technologies that people sometimes compare these to, which is completely different, you hear this term atmospheric water generation, and we are not an atmospheric water generator. Atmospheric water generation is basically, you know, a glorified air conditioner, right? They're taking water vapor and condensing it, condensation, they're condensing it to a liquid. We're doing the exact opposite. We're taking water vapor and we're freezing it right out of the air. And, and that's the process that, that, that Matt's comparing to, the, to a mountaintop, because that's exactly what happens on a mountaintop. You've this large thermal frozen mass at the top of a mountain, air blows over it, it freezes that water vapor right out of the air, it begins to pack on top of that mountain. As enough packs on top of that mountain, it pushes the rest down. And when it gets to a certain level on that mountain, all of a sudden it creates a, a stream and a river. Yeah, it starts right. to um, liquefy and just drain mm -hmm. out. We took, that, we took that process and put it in a box. Crazy. And patented it. Yes. That's some God shit. <laughs> That's some God stuff Not right honestly, there. Honestly, this cool. technology is arguably the most relevant discovery in human history, in my opinion. I really don't think that's unfair to say. It's, it, it, has, it has the ability to have a tremendous impact because when you think about what it means. So atmospheric water generators have a big problem. The big problem is that they vary in yield 
depending on how the environment is, what the, you know, what the temperature and pressure is. We've taken that out of the equation. Deposition doesn't have that problem. So we can operate in a 2% relative you know, uh, humidity environment and a 99% relative humidity environment, and our yield's not going to change. So that means you can operate this right in the middle of desert because there's always absolute humidity in the desert. It just doesn't rain a lot, right? right? We can operate right there. and We're still going to produce the same 200 liters a day that we would in New York. Now, mind you, that's on a one using a one horsepower motor, six kilowatts a day. That's a joke. Yeah. That's nothing. Very you low. Put a solar panel the size of, you know, a clipboard right on top of this thing and run it in the desert for years. It's insane. So you said that deserts automatically have humidity. So you're talking about it can be a range from 1% to 99% humidity that the machine will be able to run on. So, so I'm, we, I'm thinking of like an Arizona that's super dry. And it will oper- absolutely operate there. We have betas going into the field there. Um, when we, think of rel- when we think of humidity, we always think of relative humidity. And this is one of those things that we have to educate people on because I needed to be educated on it myself, right? I always thought humidity, okay, relative humidity. Relative humidity is a derivative of absolute humidity. So it's, all it's telling you is how much absolute humidity can be held in the atmosphere at a given temperature and pressure. That's all it's telling you. So if it's at 99%, it's all going to come down and fall on your head, right? That's going to rain. If it's at 2%, it's not going to rain. But the absolute humidity stays constant. So that there's always going to be one to two, one to one and a half percent absolute humidity in our atmosphere, you know, in terms of total, total atmospheric gases. Otherwise, the atmosphere would be completely different composition. That's right. Okay. Yeah, and I, I've actually had investment bankers ask me, well, what happens if, if, if absolute humidity goes to, to zero? And it's like, well, don't worry about it because we're all screwed. Yeah. Right, so right. We're all, we're all, <laughs> yeah. It's just like if the world, if the globe stops spinning. Huh? Exactly. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm hitting that wall fast <laughs> as shit. It's that's, over. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> So, you know, that's, you know, that, that, but it, it, you know, relative humidity becomes, becomes part of the equation for atmospheric water generators. It is not part of our equation. So that's what makes it unique is we're not going to vary with the environment. So with respect to cleanliness, if you um, look at a TDS meter, total dissolved solids, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, and my, you I measure my water it. to see how many TDSs yeah. it has. Well. Should get one of the you know one of those pens that you carry around. Yeah, so like a fanatical. Yeah, I, oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm so, sure. Yeah, so Ian educated me on this subject, and I find it fascinating. So what's interesting is if you open like a bottle of Aquafina, right? You're at what like 0.02 parts per million or something like that to essentially measure the cleanliness of that water. Uh, if you're measuring tap water, you're like at 0.09, not the cleanest. Maybe minerals, maybe not. Who knows? Anyway, um, when you uh, insert a TDS meter into a cup of this water, you're like 0.001 parts per million. It's arguably the cleanest water on the planet. And the reason being the microbials uh, don't have a a chance to attach to the water molecules in its liquid state because it's not a liquid. It's going straight from a vapor to a solid. So immediately you're eliminating any harm that can be introduced to a side water, water molecule. And until it melts and dissolves, that's where you get your, you know, your clean water. So yeah, wait, wait, let wait. me let me interject for one second, and I'll let you say. I so when I think of something like that, now my my initial thought is going to be, what about pollutants in the air? That's a great, great question. question. So yeah. we're we're hearing a lot about forever chemicals right now. We're hearing yeah. a lot about PFAS, mm-hmm. right, and and those type of things in our in our food supply and our water supply. It's also in the air around us, 
right? More than we when, think. As, as Matt was saying, when, when water is in vapor form, it's moving so fast that nothing can attach to it. So when you freeze it, you're isolating the molecule. When you condense it, you're not, right? You're, you're, you're allowing other things to enter into that condensation, right? But when you freeze it, you're isolating the molecule. So nothing can attach to it. So when we test our, our water, our water comes out completely pure without a filter, right? You're going to want to filter it over time because you don't know what's going to happen in the collection unit over time, right? Mm -hmm. There might be some dirt, you know, some, some dirt and some, some debris that gets in there over time. But from a microbial standpoint, no microbials can attach to it. Um, so I, I've always filtered my water. I've always filtered my water. I've always been avid on doing that. And as my knowledge for water and the filtering processes has deepened, mm -hmm. I've, no, I've learned the difference between a purified water and like a spring water or a mountain water. And you know, you start learning that, oh, maybe that bottle of Essentia is just filtered water. And they're selling you something that you could have done in theory at your house. Mm -hmm. And you're just paying top dollar for it, mm -hmm. the bottling process of it. That's right. Uh, the other thing that I've learned is that when I filter my water from my faucet, uh, I use the zero filter, which actually I want to ask you better filter because I'm sure you at this point you know what the best way to filter your water at a home level is. Um, I have to remineralize it and a lot of people don't know that. So a lot of people don't know like I put trace mineral drops back into my water to add the sodium, the potassium, all the things that have been stripped out of it because I want all the bad stuff out. Mm -hmm. But now I need the actual good stuff so this way it doesn't go through me and um, leach out of my system those things as it goes through my body. Sure. Um, so when I think of stuff like this, there's there's going to be no electrolytes essentially from the vapor, if I'm, if I'm correct in understanding that. That's right. So now would you suggest a remineralization of the water? I know we're probably looking at the technology at a, at a home level right now, and yeah. it's, it's on a greater scale than that. It's on a, people don't have water, mm -hmm. and they need it yeah. in an area that has no machines that are able to do this, and that's why we're bringing this technology in. But I just wanted to get your understanding on that side of things, the electrolytes of it, because TDSs aren't always bad because they have the electrolytes in it, but like when it's um, estrogenics and all these other things that are added into the water supply, that's, right. that's when you gotta worry about that's, it. Yeah, so in terms of remineralization, there, there are simple filters you can buy to do that. And, and we do recommend that, you know, you remineralize the water. Uh, it'll also add a charge to the water too, right? So um, those are things that can be attached very simply to, to the, to, you know, by the end user or can be designed, you know, for, you know, for, for, we can design it for that purpose. But it's just a simple attachment to the, to the, to the, to the you know, the exit water. Um, and those things exist today. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't need to be invented as as you It's as, as you simple know, as right? a drop. Exactly. It's a drop it's, into your water. I mean, you could get the filter that, that, you know, I don't remember how many liters it lasts for, but, you know, that there's there's filters that, you know, that last for, you know, tens of thousands of liters. So the right? issue I always have is the, is the, is the home filters mm -hmm. totally like, yeah, it'll last you 30 gallons for the month. It's like, damn, I drink a, yeah. I drink a gallon a day. It's, it's like, oh, man. That's not a lot. Yeah. No. On, a, on, a, on a grander scale, the thing that most people also aren't considering is the cost. You know, from so like to your point, you're right. From a residential standpoint, there's a, you know, there's an inherent cost to getting mineralized, filtered, clean, healthy water. From a 30,000 foot view, you know, you've got some primary markets which are humanitarian. 
Um, obviously, you got people who can't get clean water across the globe. You got commercial. You have farms that are experiencing drought. You got look at Napa Valley. You got wineries are shutting yeah. down left and right because they can't actually hydrate their crop. Um, and then you got you know municipal, residential, et cetera. But when you when you break down to residential. Um, you know, those third-party solutions are available and accessible everywhere. That comes down to customer preference, right? Um, me, I don't know enough about it. I haven't experimented enough with water. I don't give a shit, personally. Like, <laughs> energy drinks, sure. Scotch, bring it on. I don't still know. Got your, still got your I scotch if you want to mix the energy drink with the scotch. I don't, I don't know shit about water other than, like, when I was a kid <laughs> and I was thirsty, I drink from a hose. Where does that come from? What does that look like? I have no idea. What is the TDS meter going to say? I'm probably hurting myself, but who knows? I'd beg to differ. I, I I would say that back when we were kids, I would think that the water might have been cleaner, cleaner I would than agree. it is now. I'm Unless, speculating, but I wouldn't I'm speculating know. too. Yeah. I mean, we can't yeah. you can't go by facts because we never tested it back then versus right. now. Yeah. But I would assume that there was less stuff because I feel as though we're just seeing the the monumentous wave of just chemicals yeah. in. Everything. Right. Everything. I mean, now the new thing is, well, if you want to be able to have kids, like, check your box. It's like, bro, I, yeah. I, I, I'm just trying to live without <laughs> yeah. things killing you me. Know, speaking of forever, forever chemicals, I just saw the movie, was it Dark Waters? I don't know if you saw that with Mark Ruffalo. No. And Tim Robbins, where they're talking about, uh, I think it was called C8, Teflon. Yep. Teflon, oh, how yeah. Teflon was put in everything. Yep. Like, and and non nine, more than ninety nine percent of the global population from what was it? Dow, uh, du no, Dupont. Dupont. Right, Dupont. Ninety nine percent of the global population has Teflon in our system. Yes. So it's insane. They take so they take years and years to even remotely get out of your body. If they do at all, I, I don't and know. Don't, but don't get me. That's don't, crazy. Don't get me started on seed oils. <laughs> so so what, it's interesting he brings up oils, Teflon yeah. because as we were researching different ways to, you know, the surface area that that you want to collect this from becomes important because we don't want any contaminants on it. So put a lot of time and, and effort into making sure that we had a surface area that is going to remain clean. And isn't safe. gonna yeah. isn't gonna poison anybody. <clears throat> and we did some research on on Teflon, and we called an unnamed company, that, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and we asked them about Teflon, uh, and we told them what the purpose of it would be, and they said, "Yeah, don't use that." <laughs> that was that was the exact words, right? Isn't that scary? I mean, it's just unbelievable that something so widely used across a lot of different industries uh, and media. It's just like, oh, yeah, don't use that. It's like, yeah. for, for what? Potential consumption? Like, <laughs> what about the other things that we've been using it for? Yeah, and continue mm -hmm. to use it. Continue for. to use it yeah. for. I mean, think about, like, a nonstick pan. How bad it is when... Yeah. And how, <laughs> I, saw, I see one... Back when I was using nonstick pans, I don't use them anymore. I saw one scratch in that thing. Mm -hmm. I was throwing the pan out and getting a new one. Dude, because just, you know you're leaching that stuff into your leech, food. Just drink it. your raw eggs like Rocky, and you don't have to fry I mean, yeah, and maybe I look like him, too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that was the other supplements. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it's like, you think about that, like me, very anal about what I'm doing and my health and whatnot. Think about 99% of the rest of the, 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 the United States. Yep. Yeah. Families that can't afford to buy another pan. Yeah. Just because they throw that, they're like, is what it is. We got scratched on it. And they don't even have the, the thought process or the knowledge that that could be leaching into their well, the food. They the assume it's they well, assume the cancer it's safe. data but, but certainly but think, supports but that. Think about, think about that too, right? You, you take that pan, you throw it out. You're good. You, you take that. You take that pan. You throw it out. It goes into a landfill. Oh, that's and the now other it side. leaches out into water you know, supply. Over, over the yeah. over time, it's just leaching out to the water supply. Yeah. So, so what am I supposed to do? Just incinerate it? 
Like, pray? It's, like, it's like, what do, what is it? Pray? Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know, we're, 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 we're our own worst advocates yeah. is a lot of this shit. Like, yeah. you try to be good and you try to do things right and companies say they're going to do right by, by not filling landfills and making products that are biodegradable and mm. whatnot. And exactly what you just pointed out. It's like, well, it's just going to sit in a landfill anyway. Even if I, even if I hit the recycler, like I don't even know if they, what they, I usually put in the recycler. I don't even know if they know what to do with it. They probably throw it in a landfill. So, so Can they recycle a pan? I don't know. I don't know. So, so let's just think about, you know, the, so the global aqueduct, right, is what we call the product. Let's think about the benefits of that, right? And the benefit here is, would you prefer that the politicians and the powers that be control your water supply? No. Or would you want control of your water supply? This puts the control of your water supply in your hands, right? And that's what it does. <clears throat> it also gives it, it, it also makes it free of any other contaminants that could be leaching out into the ground around you. So the global aqueduct has multiple benefits in addition to just creating water where you may need it, but it has additional benefits. It's PFAS free. It's, it gives you control over your water supply so that you know you don't run into a problem like Rio Verde foothills, where Arizona, you know Scottsdale, Arizona went, hey, you know what? We need more water for our golf courses, so we're shutting you off. Right now, if they had the global aqueduct, they would be in control of their water right. supply, and no politician could tell them, hey, by the way, you got to turn off the global aqueduct. Well, it's mine. They, yeah. I'm, I'm getting it from the air, and this this water vapor in the air around us is a constant supply. It evaporates every day. As soon as we take some out of the air it fills right back in, right? That's just the way our atmosphere works. So we're tapping the most unlimited supply of water that we have. What is it like? It was like 30 quadrillion? 34 quadrillion gallons of water exist in our atmosphere at any given moment. That's on the planet. Yeah. Yep. And that just (laughs) floats around us, right? And theoretically, no one's tapping into it. No one's utilizing it. Now, what happens if we have all of these systems all over the world and we start pulling from it uh, at a mass amount. I'm talking very futuristic, obviously. You couldn't pull enough water out of the atmosphere to make a difference. Okay. And and as you pull it out of the water, it actually, more water evaporates, goes back up into right. the atmosphere. It just keeps replenishing itself. So it's going to stay in balance. It's with an infinite combo. Yeah. So I call that when I play Magic the Gathering. Infinite combo. Infinite combo. In- interesting, interesting factoid on that. When I ask people, what's the most powerful greenhouse gas we have in our atmosphere? They usually get that question wrong. They usually think it's carbon, but it's not. It's actually water vapor. That is the most powerful greenhouse gas we have. So when you think about what happens, as we put more carbon into the air, we're warming up our planet. We're insulating our planet. That's creating more evaporation from the oceans, pushing more water up into the air, right? That's further warming our planet. And it's causing the water vapor, like there's still the same amount of water vapor. We see rivers and, and lakes drying up, but the water vapor is just moving on us. It's, it's, not, it's not that, you know, that there's not, not enough w- water in the atmosphere. It's just it's moving differently now. And what this allows us to do is make sure we're accessing it where we need it. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. So now let me, let me get on a, on a, on a background uh, conceptualization of the actual unit. Yes. So what were the intro thoughts? Because you had to have something that's obviously portable. You have to have something that's able to be moved around to areas that might not be able to have a lot of machinery and whatnot. So what were the intro thoughts? How big? What? What? How much 
stuff needed to be, I guess, put into it? What does it look like? Like things like that, I guess, are the questions that I have right so out the gate. Think of something that is, you know, the size of a refrigerator on its side or, you know, a large, you know, a large refrigerator on its side. Uh, that's that's kind of the shape of the machine. Um, it the the reason we went with a with with a with with the design for 200 liters a day was as we started to talk to people about the problems that are out there, especially the NGO world. What you find is that in a developing country, you'll they'll create a large water source, but they don't have the infrastructure to get it out. So now you have women and children walking miles and miles a day to go get that water and bring it home. And they just, the, 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 the human beings become, the, the, you know, the, the women and children become part of the water infrastructure. So we went, well, wait a second, we don't want to build a big one. Because if we build a big one, then we have the same problem where we have to build out all this infrastructure to get it out. Mm-hmm. So let's build a smaller one where we can provide a decentralized solution to the marketplace that allows these individual communities to control their water supply. So that's why we chose to make it smaller as opposed to larger first. Um, call it democrati- democratization of water, right? Cool. I like that. Um, so that was that was why we chose to do it that way. And that was the initial thought. In terms of how we actually cool the system, you're looking at a you know single vapor compression cycle. So things that we can train local populations to work on, things that are simple to work on. You know, we can we can certify people very quickly and you can find these parts all over the world. So we made sure that it was it was, there are other ways to do it, which we will get into, you know, maybe a year or two from now, we'll, we'll come back on the show and talk about some really cool stuff. Anytime you want, doors um, open. I appreciate that. For real. Um, but right now, this made for the fastest commercialization because these parts are readily commercially available. So we built it in a way that can allow us to commercialize quickly and allow us to get it out to these communities in a democratized way. And Matt said it's a one horsepower engine. Motor. Motor. So yeah. it's run off gasoline? It, it, no. It's a compressor. It's, Com- a, right. compressor. it's a compressor. So it's running off of it's running off electric. Um, standard so, 120 line. So 120 line or solar, potentially. Yeah. I, I mean, that's an easy easy fix. That's an easy rig yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we built it that way so that you could use, you know, a simple 110, right? Um, you know, it, it, it probably should have a, um, you know, its own individual outlet because you don't want to trip a breaker on something as important as water, yeah. right? You want it to be, I, I, I'd advise that it be on its own separate breaker. Um, you know, that's, a, that's sort of a critical, all of a sudden that becomes a critical piece of equipment for you. Yeah. So you don't want that one going down because, uh, you know, you, you've plugged your toothbrush into your bathroom. Oh, right? man. That, that would be bad, yeah. right? Happens to us at, at home sometimes. It's <laughs> like my wife plugs in the, the hair dryer and it's like, well, the lights don't work on upstairs. It's like, well, yeah, because you got to hit the reset button. It's crazy. Right Either way, you have spirits or every, everything just went dead. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> spirits are fucking with us again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, the, 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 it's been designed to be, you know, to be easy to install and easy to use. Fun fact. The Love system generates facts. the lowest cost per liter on the planet. That is a fair statement to make. So if you think about the actual cost of water, um, I mean, just commercially, you know, personally, commercially, the costs are sky high. The fact that this is not just affordable, but it's the cheapest solution and the cleanest solution out there, because again, you know, 
third-party factors to to yield the kind of water experience you want as a general consumer, that's on the residential side. That market's the last one to be accommodated. You got to go humanitarian, then you go commercial, and you solve the world's problems. But you do it at the lowest cost per liter on the planet. It's nothing shy of extraordinary. That's right. And it also has military applications too. Like for, for example, uh, one of our key advisors, Chris Miller, former Secretary of Defense of the United States, He's a Green Beret as well, right? He, he was he was one of those people riding horseback into Afghanistan. You saw the movie 12 Strong with Chris I, Hemsworth? I, to be honest with you, I know the movie. I yeah. just haven't seen it yet. This is him. But it's the him. character yeah. is basically. Crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So, you know, Chris is Chris has significant experience, you know, in the field uh, in Afghanistan, Iraq. Um, the, the What this means for our military to be able to, when you think about supply chain, when you think about moving in these in these arid environments, water is always a problem, and a lot of times we're you know we're bringing that in you know on on large cargo you know planes right, and what does that do? It risks more lives because we have to bring it in that way. It it slows the movement of our troops down, mm-hmm. right, and we can actually solve a lot of those problems by just self-generating the water right there on the ground for them. So this has military applications as well. We actually had a debate, um, and it actually wasn't even a debate. It was just us talking and thinking of the same thing uh, with my buddy Kareth. He was on the podcast a couple episodes ago. We were talking about who has the best water, and we were talking about Fiji water. And I'm like, I love Fiji water. I love and he Fiji goes, water. and he said, and it's, oh, it's so clean. Yeah. Just taste it. But he said, think about the harvesting process of Fiji water, and then to get it off the island and get it everywhere mm-hmm. to commercially ship. It's crazy. You know, although they're yeah, talking about being environmentally you know, friendly and all this stuff. It's like, well, you got to get all that uh, that right. water off the island and get it out right. to the world. So now you're using ships, you're using right. planes, you're using all this stuff. So does that offset the... Yeah, it's kind of like the electric car discussion, you know, like well, yeah, you know, what's you, better, you, gas or electric, but then you, you got to extract all the cobalt from the earth in order to... Cobalt, you know, create you're, you're plugging battery. it in yeah, and it's, it's being lithium. run by factory right. oil and yeah. it's like, okay, well, what am I doing? Right. right. Yeah. And it's like, well, I, I only get 200 miles, so sick. Yeah. <laughs> How much did I help myself and, and the environment? Yeah. Uh, when you look at cost per liter, as Matt was saying, you know, the, the you know, if you're if you're at, let's say, anywhere from one and a half to three cents per liter, right, of clean water produced on a daily basis, that is a that is a cheap rate. You know, that, that is that is freight that most people are going to be willing to pay for clean water on a, on a daily basis. The municipalities, yes, they can do it for less, but they're all subsidized. Right. Um, you're going to get it less from a municipality, but you also might find yourself shut off, right? They, some politician at some point in time might say, hey, by the way, you can't water your grass. You can't fill your pool. That, you know, you're not in control of your water supply. This is a small price to pay. We see that. To be able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see that pretty now. often, especially yeah. California. That's right. It's pretty crazy to see that type of stuff. Just basic human rights that you think that you're just not only do, but you know, have access to living in the United States, it's like all of a sudden, well, you can't do that. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, <laughs> water? Oh, what do you mean? Like, where do I live? There's a That's lot right. of profit and control. Well, that's what I like that you said, the de- the democratization mm-hmm. of water. the water supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you said, do you would you trust having government handling all supply. of your water supply? My instant answer was absolutely not. I mean, so, how, uh, how many movies have we seen you know, it never uh, ends well. Dystopian future. Never ends Water's well. controlled. The population is dehydrated and dying and starving. I've said it no time. And, I've said it time and time I mean, again. And this is the solution. I've I've said it time and time again. It doesn't matter right. what side you lean. Doesn't matter who you believe in. Right. 
absolute power sometimes rules absolutely, and you yeah. got to watch that. Yeah. You got to cover your own, and I love stuff like that. Look, 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 look at this as an example, right? So Arizona's got a problem right now. They've, they've got a water problem. They've I had even, a water problem for a, for a long time, right? Uh, they've never actually hit their sustainability goals ever, right? You know, it's, 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 not even, it's never going to happen, right? I mean, they're just sucking up way too much water. Plus, they're building golf courses all over the place, and it's like, okay, you're Ridiculous. in the middle of the desert. So My buddy Josh, Josh, I know you're listening, man. You're one of the problems, bro. You constantly <laughs> golfing. You piece of shit. Oh, my God, man. Just ruining it for all of us. With that said, I want to play 18 on your course. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's we're go. playing on Monday, right? Yeah, all right, we're out. Let's go. All right, Josh, we'll see you in a few. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it, it, Arizona made a proposal. This this never actually made it through, but they proposed through the government of Arizona that the proposal was to build a desalinization plant in Mexico with a 200-mile pipeline to get the water to Arizona. It's ridiculous. Which, by the way, the investors of that desal plant were going to be foreign investors. Okay. Nothing can go wrong with this. I mean, this 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 this, this, this is a great idea. Right? I'm gonna this, be. This I'm is, gonna be. You want to talk about great ideas? See, this so, is. I'm gonna be so transparent with everybody listening and anybody who you know is gonna be viewing it because of you know uh, you gentlemen that doesn't normally view my podcast. I shoot videos for a living. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a uh, politician or anything like that. Sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> just throw it out there. Just from basic common knowledge. That doesn't sound like something. That sounds good. We're, we're going to put the Mexican government and a foreign investor in charge of the water supply of a major United yeah, States. Yeah. Um, Horrible. State. State. Horrible. That's, that sounds like a national security issue to me. You know, just on, on the no, surface. No, no, no. Of course right. not. No, of course no, not. Nothing no, could go no, wrong. Nothing Who's making these right. decisions, man? Well, my dog can make better decisions. Like, you know what, what is going you know, on? You know what's interesting is like, you know, you think about the lines that get blurred between private industry and politics, and they're really not too dissimilar. Mm -mm. And if there's a solution, even an expensive one, I can't imagine that it doesn't seem like a good idea at the time. But the fact that people are the – these same investors, these, these same decision makers aren't willing to put time, money, and resources into actual solves and solving or, or even just due diligence on the technology itself. Like is there a better way uh, in lieu of a, what, 200-mile-long pipeline well, it's to acquire water? That's not even a Band-Aid. No, that's, that's a, a Band-Aid for them because they don't want to think about it that's in a 10-year period. That's, not a, that's a prosthetic. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that is fucking ridiculous. It's just like, well, uh, uh, ten years I'll be out of office. I don't have to deal with this shit anymore. Right. It's cool. Like, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah, else's problem. Yeah, someone else, someone else will deal with it. And then whoever else has to deal with it, it's like now we're what, what's leaching into the ground. You know, uh, how are we going to keep this yeah. infrastructure going? It's like, well, where'd the money come from? We didn't fund it ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's a million and one problems with things like that, and it just. I don't know. It's it's almost like they're all sitting at a table. Anybody, not even politicians. Some of these people that create these ideas sitting at a table with crayons and they're just like drawing <laughs> shit. And they're like, oh, you know what? That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, can we make a bill for this? You, you know, you know, it's unfortunate, but you're probably not far from the truth. Oh, I wouldn't man. be. I wouldn't be shocked to learn that like 10% of our infrastructural spending budget was written on a cocktail napkin. And with crayons. You know, yeah. With, with I, crayons. I would not be surprised. <laughs> and, and, and it could have come out of a kindergarten Hey, hey Senator. I mean, at a Caravas. At a Caravas. Right. It's ridiculous. Can, by I the, more, by can I get more bread and crayons? <laughs> right. Crazy. What the fuck is going on? Who's running this shift? Yeah. So, so hence the reason that Sorry, you, go on. You, you want, you, you know, you go, you, you go to the source of that, right? Because, you know, we, we tried to reach out to politicians in Scottsdale and got no response. Oh, right. Shocking. Well, shocking. Shocking. Right. I mean, you know, look, the, apparently the desal plant in Mexico could get 
you know, some some airtime. But we, just call and we tell you're the f- just call them and tell them you're the foreign money on the line. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what? <laughs> yeah. So we we went directly to the Rio Verde foothills and started knocking on doors and saying, "Hey, listen, you got a problem here. How much does it cost you?" They have water trucks being delivered, delivering them water every day. This is how they're flushing their toilets. Water trucks, Damn. right? This is this is this is the United States of America, right? And this is not that not the only instance of it. It's one of one instance of many, and it's spreading, right? Especially in California, New Mexico, Arizona, you see these things happening. So we went directly to those people and we said, "Hey, look, do you want these politicians in charge of your water supply, or do you want to take control of it yourself?" And the answer is, it's it's an easy answer. Right. It's it's a it's a you know, the logic there is simple and we have betas going into the field and that's that's going to be a major market. Those politicians won't notice until all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait, hold on. We've got a great idea. This is working over here. We're going to give you uh, tax rebates for these. Right. That, that's when they'll take credit for it is when they give right. out the tax mm-hmm. rebates. Right. We'll act like the kings and queens. Right. Yeah. They'll be like, and, oh, and by is- the way. I have no problem with that. It's yeah. your idea. Yeah. No problem. Well, you just it, want to get the technology in people's hands so they can utilize it. Just, that's really what your main pri- – and that's the amazing so, – So again to, Ian's, to, again, to Ian's credit, and again, we'll go, this is going back, you know. So Ian and I actually know each other about seven years ago, right? Like we met seven, six, seven years ago, uh, got drunk at Absolutely Mario's for a month, totally forgot about it, and then linked up you. about a year ago, uh, you know, when he, you know, invited me onto this project, which I thank you for very thank much, you. by the way. Um, but – you know, he said something to me immediately that resonated me at the very resonated with me at the beginning, which was, "This is all about the baby, right? It's all about us code, but it's about the baby. We want to get this product into the hands of, uh, hands of consumers uh, as quickly but elegantly as possible, uh, without getting suffocated by Big Brother." You know, and and the fact that, for, uh, despite the technology actually working, like you ever heard the expression, "Some of the best inventions have never seen the light of day." Yep. Why? Because you might be the greatest inventor of all time, but if you don't know how to file a patent application with the USPTO, you're shit out of luck. So you, you take a guy like Ian, who is literally every step of the way looking at the entire machine, uh, the financial machine, the political machine, the operational machine, and, and making decisions in order to actually create a foothold into our, our you know, any, which one of these marketplaces, but make sure it's done right is fucking challenging, and he does it like a champion. Like I, I still don't understand how he navigates through the challenges that he does. But the, you know, when when you need to eyeball um, all the threats, assess, um, you know, and and strategically like navigate through these these problems. Like I, I've I've just never seen anybody build a company so strong, even in, in its infancy, because we're still in our infancy. We're right now about to launch. You know, we're we're going to the production line in what Q1, Q2, 2024, and you know, to say that all of this has occurred from here to there, this is still step one. You know, and to to yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, the one thing I would say is, and this is just kind of general advice to to entrepreneurs out there, right? Ask a lot of questions. Right. Surround yourself with really good people. Ask a lot of questions and make sure you're, you're making informed decisions. And don't be afraid about making mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. You know, as, as I heard Jack Welsh say one time, he, somebody asked him if he, if, he, if he evaluates people on their batting average, how many times they get it right. And he said, no, I probably only get it right 51% of the time. And it's more important to me what you do when you get it wrong as opposed to how many times you get it right. Mm. So 
don't be afraid of making mistakes. When you do make a mistake, create it, create a culture internally where people can raise their hand. I, as I tell people all the time internally in this company, if you make a mistake, don't hide it. The first thing I want you to do is come forward and go, hey, listen, I think I made a mistake or I made a mistake. Raise your hand. Let us know, mm-hmm. right? And we will solve it together. We don't kick our players while they're on the ground, right? We, we go over there, we pick them up, we help them up. We yeah, start mutual accountability, mutual respect. Extreme right. ownership. Yeah. That's, that's like a Jocko thing. I read his book. I read, you know, some of his book. I have to finish it. But that's a big thing with him at the SEALs and everything like that. Just extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't, don't kick the bucket down the road. And it just it's makes a, things worse. It mm-hmm. just makes things worse. Yeah. So ask questions and make sure you create that culture inside, you know, in, inside your organization where you always have transparency into what's happening. Right. Don't let people be afraid if they're afraid to come forward, if they think that, you know, there, there's there's this the, the, the dictator paradox. Right. It's, it's a real thing in, in global and in geopolitical politics. Right. Dictators in the beginning, sometimes they're making very good decisions, but then somebody disagrees with them. They shoot them in the head. Right. And before you know it, you only have people around you that want that are going to tell you what you want to hear. And at that point in time, you start making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Right. And, and that's when the downfall happens. So you want people around you that are going to come forward and give you honest answers at any given moment in time, even if you disagree with them. Right. But note it. Right. And I'm not afraid to go back to people and say, hey, by the way, you were right about that. I, I made it. I made a decision here. I made a call. But you were right. Now, how do we get back to here? Right. How do we go fix this together? And if you have that type of culture. That's how you solve all these all these problems that 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 we're talking about here, patent filings and, you know, you know, organizing, you know, inventors and engineers in the same room and making sure you're moving towards a a common product goal, making sure that your project management, you know, is organized in a way that actually gets you to your goals. That's how you get there. Right. But you need that transparency. And it doesn't happen if you're the guy sitting behind the desk pounding the table. Right. Going Oh, you just screwed up. You're fired. That doesn't work. You, you have to, there has to be, people have to be unafraid, right? That's how innovation happens. They, you have to encourage them to be unafraid and have courage to make those, to, to, to make those decisions and be empowered to make those decisions and then support them when things go wrong. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole hell of a lot of trial and error when it comes to this, not only business side of things, but life. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to take the take the bumps, take the bruises when you get them, but you have to learn from it. And that's, that's right. how you get to that next level. That's how you get stronger. That's, that's in the gym. That's in everything. It's just in like everything. it's a it's a life analogy. It's just like that's just how you get better and you progress. But I couldn't agree more. If you have people around you that constantly coddle and say the things that you want to hear or don't challenge your thought process, yeah. this and that, that's how companies die. That's how people and countries die. That's how things become little problems to large problems. When I, you know, when I first started doing videos, it's very hard as a creative to take feedback from not only clients, but people. Like if I send a video out to a friend, mm. hey, yo, what do you think? Like, you're nervous, because this is somebody watching the art that you've made over X amount of days, X amount of weeks, X amount of months. Mm. So like when, when you initially do that showing and you get feedback and it's not what you thought it was gonna be, it's hard to not let your ego take over and go, well, no, 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 you're, you're wrong for thinking that. Like, no, no, this is why I did it. It's like, you have to be able to take that coat down and go, okay, 
I see where you're coming from. Let me see if maybe I can switch things up. Maybe that does make sense. Right. Then you trial and error. You do it. You go, oh shit, it does make sense. That That's also crazy. requires a lot of practice. Not, not everybody has that innately. I think, you know, you, you got to kind of be taught that. Um, so it's funny. I was telling my salespeople the other day, like, you familiar with the two wolves parable? Um, Did we ever talk about that like back in the CCP days? Maybe. So I, I use this like analogy. Um, so in Native American mythology, there's a, a something called the two wolves parable, right? Um, within each of us are two wolves and they're constantly at war. Yes, I've the heard, positivity I've, I've heard wolf this before, and yep. the negativity wolf, mm -hmm. right? And the negativity wolf is full of disdain and malice and hatred and, you know, uh, maleficence or whatever you want to call it. And then the positivity wolf is full of uh, love and benevolence. <clears throat> and which wolf wins? The one you feed. Yep. Right? And you know it's wise because it's Native American, right? Yeah, it's got to be, right? It's of awesome. Course. It's gotta be. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's tattooed on somebody too, but so you it, know it's cool. Yeah, of course, but <laughs> when you think about it, just like a muscle, you know, if you're doing ten push-ups a day versus the guy who's doing a thousand push-ups a day, who's got the bigger chest at the end of a, you know, at the end of a month, the guy doing the thousand. It's just like it's you know, there's a lot of truth behind that. However, yeah. I I don't know if people just innately have their you know the education themselves to do that exercise. I wonder. Where people learn to do that exercise, that in and of itself is probably a larger conversation, but, you know, kind of circles back to the notion of education. I think a lot of people need better exposure and, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, you know, but I, it I, felt I, right. To, it, it felt to, right. It felt right here, to, too. To, to add to that, you know, and, and I think, so Peter Drucker, right, once said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I think that, that goes to your point. If you don't create that culture internally, it doesn't matter what your strategy is. If you don't, if you, if people are not positive, people are not, you know, don't are built with courage to go out and, and make those <clears> decisions <throat> and innovate. If they're if they're afraid to come into your office and tell you what they think, you're, it doesn't matter what your strategy is because, as Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you got to create that culture, and and that's that's you know that positivity is is part of it you know we become corporate cheerleaders to a certain extent right i i do you know in in my role as ceo i have to be positive about things even when they go wrong i i have to tell them okay look it's okay yes there's a problem i'll give you an example we started so the concept here i have a background in nutraceuticals and we we made some interesting nutraceuticals over the time we we we, we i was involved in a number of pretty big brands and initially, I put together a group from, you know, came out of Metrics and EAS and Quest, right? Um, and Famili familiar with all of them? All of them, right? And these were all top guys and all from all of those places. And I said, look, we're going to build a technology company. But the way we're going to build the technology company is I'm going to start with the nutraceutical side, and we're going to do the CBD piece, right? And we're going to start with CBD. And we built, you know, a, a, a CBD line. And we had, going into COVID, we had a lot of orders. I mean, tens of millions of dollars of orders going into, in, into early 2020. We were in the resets in some major retailers, right? We were going to have our own little set, which is a big deal, right? Yeah. When you get that little set, I mean, I don't care if it's three inches or six inches, but that's a, that's a big set for a, for a little company. And then Donald Trump gets on TV and says, okay, uh, yeah, no, this thing is pretty bad. This COVID thing's pretty bad. And we're going to shut down all the airlines and all the travel to the United States. And I remember thinking to myself, 
that's not good. Yeah, like, the, like this is new. I, how, I've never had we, to live this one. How are we going right? to get such a? How are we going to get shit re- out? It's such a tamed reaction. Well, that's not good. <laughs> that's yeah. not good. See, I don't I, <laughs> so got not up in the morning, that. and we had you know we had investors who had already come in. We had technologies we were working on, but you know the idea was to take the cash flows from the nutraceutical side, and we're going to use that to support the technology side. Great strategy, and uh, get up in the morning and start making some phone calls to the buyers. Uh, we're gonna get back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get back to you. You know, Speedway guy. Uh, we'll get back to you, right? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, maybe maybe a couple of days from now. We'll, we'll we're we're on track though. We're on track. Rain track for a and, week. Uh, rain check for a week. Yeah, yeah. And then about ten days later, millions of dollars worth of orders that took a year to build wiped off the map. Done. Mm-hmm. So call a meeting the next day. Board of directors freaked out. Everybody's freaked out, and we go, okay, look, guys. We don't have that, so we're gonna have to replace. You're gonna have to replace that part of the strategy. But we're never gonna be a nutraceutical company. We're gonna use that to build the tech, and the tech is already moving down a path here, right? We already identified what techs we want. We already, you know, we already have one in the healthcare space that's moving down the path. That's pretty well positioned for what's happening right now. So we're just gonna pivot, and you know, these are things that happen. We just have to roll with the punches here, nice and calm. You know, we we just started moving, right? And I, I, I like to compare, you know, business to, to soccer. I played a lot of soccer in my life, right? And I was a very good soccer player. And in soccer, the one thing you don't want to do is stop the ball, right? The ball has to keep moving, right? You stop the ball, you're dead, right? That's when the that's when everybody swarms on top of you, right? <laughs> I teach my daughter this all the time. Don't stop it's the when ball. When a slide tackle right? comes in from the back and you just <laughs> wipe out. <laughs> exactly. Just just keep the ball moving. And sometimes that means it moves backwards. Sometimes it means forward. And, and sometimes it's diagonal. And sometimes it's to the side. But it doesn't matter. Even if the ball is coming at me, I'm not, when I trap the ball, I'm trapping it into space and it's still moving, right? No matter what, the ball is moving. So just keep the ball moving. In those situations where all of a sudden I'm in trouble a little bit, okay, just keep the ball moving. If we keep the ball moving, we're going to end up working towards the goal anyway. And that's a perfect example of, you know, a crisis moment in this company that could have crushed a lot of companies. Like I could have just thrown up my hands the next day and went, we're screwed. Yeah. yeah. Right. But no, I know that if, if, you know, if we're, you know, if we're in that situation, we just have to keep moving. And if we keep moving, the opportunities, you know, the opportunities will arise. You just have to have staying power. You know, sim- similar analogy, right? If you're, you get caught in a riptide and you get pulled offshore and you're a mile offshore, what's the first thing you don't do? Surf. You don't panic, right? <laughs> you just, just don't panic, right? Stop, calmly get your bearings, right? Figure out where you are and stay afloat. And then once you're sure you're out of the riptide, start swimming back towards where you think the shore is, but stay afloat and don't exhaust yourself. And eventually, guess what happens? The guy in the jet ski comes out. Finds her. Yeah. Right? And he throws you something. Love that guy on right? a jet ski. <laughs> oh, man. The guy, he, Find me, baby. <laughs> Find me. But you got to stay afloat. If you sink to the bottom, he's not finding oh, yeah, you. Yeah, no, he's not finding me. So he's, he, that's, that's, and that's, that's how you have to approach these things in business. That's, that's what's made Helixis successful is not panicking. Having people on board that, are, that have been tested before panic proof yeah we're panic proof we've been you know we we've had the shellings happen before so it's like okay yeah i've heard those sounds before i'm not i'm not afraid of that i know what to do in this situation or maybe i don't know exactly what to do but i know what direction to start moving in right and those are key right to stay to to solving these problems um and i think that's why helix has been you know we we're, we're this we're this pink sheet company right 
that has on its advisory board former congressmen, former state senators, former, you know, secretary of defense of the United States, you know, former executives from Fortune 500 companies. You know, we trade under the symbol EMOR and nobody knows who we are, right? But we're not a pink sheet company. I tell people that all the right. time. We, we may be on the pink sheets, but we are not a pink sheet company. We, we got here by not panicking. We got here by being methodical and keeping keeping our bearings at any given moment in time. And that's been key to getting a product done. It's been key to, to moving this thing towards the, the New York Stock Exchange. So that is actually going to be one of my questions. Um, what was that like? Becoming, going, you know, from a private to publicly traded, you know, was, that obviously had its own challenges as well. Yes. So what, what was the thought process behind that? So... Private companies, when you, when you have a there, – there is reporting involved in public companies. So you, you know you're walking into a challenge when you do that. You, you have to be properly advised. You know, we, are, we are well advised by, by law firms here in, in New York. Uh, Mort Hock and Hameroff is, is one of those law firms. Um, you need proper advice to make sure that you stay compliant on the public company side. Um, why did we move to a public company? Because we could create a currency, right? And that currency means something more than just, you know, now I have something that people can look at and go, well, yeah, no, he's he's at 30 cents today, right? Or he's at, you know, 40 cents today. I can do a deal with somebody, but I have a number on that sheet. That's not me putting that number on the sheet. Mm -hmm. It's a market putting a number on the sheet. And that allows for more, more deals to happen. Right, gives us more flexibility in creating deals and creating structures that align people's interests. So that was the purpose of it. And it's worked out pretty well. And you find that a public trend where investors and people can see that, that's, that's more useful than showing on a private side, here's a balance sheet type of situation? It, it's, it's definitely, for, for us it was. Okay. I wouldn't say that, that I, would, I would recommend that to for everybody. everybody. Yeah, no, I'm just asking, just no. in your situation, because it's a unique to yeah. you guys and what you guys were doing. And, and, what, and, what, and how it helped us you know, accelerate the process with our strategy, it, it helped us a lot. Now, it came with a bunch of headaches, right? Because sure. now we have reporting that we have to do every quarter. We have, you know, we have things that we have to do. Under in a microscope, of, yeah. And the calls OTC and markets. whatnot. You have to it, have the shareholder calls. And, that, that's right. Yeah. We have a, we have a shareholder meeting coming up, uh, you know, on, on 721, for example, right? And, you know, that, that's just something we have to do. So you, you, you are subjecting yourself to more regulatory, you know, to, to more regulatory scrutiny and, and more hurdles. But we are not an SEC reporting company. So we we have we're kind of like public company with training wheels right now. Okay. now we're, we're on OTC, so we have to do the alternative standards. The alternative standards are still standards that you have to hit on a regular basis. It's still so stringent. We've, we've been doing that for four years. Um, once we go to SEC, the standards you know are even higher, right? We have done things though to ensure that we're sort of going above and beyond the standards we have to hit today. So that we're ready at, a, at any moment's notice to go right to the NYSC. Practice for the and, big game. That's right. Yep. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's it a challenge. Like you said, the training wheels, and yeah. they eventually just, they don't just come off. They fall off. And then it's like right into the game, that's right. right into the big game. That's from, right. from like an investor's point of view, you know, it's really interesting uh, to evaluate the company where it is today because it is a pink sheet, you know, stock. But there's a difference between like search and research, right? Anybody can pull up a, a laptop or a tablet, uh, look up a ticker symbol and make assumptions 
uh, about their bid ask, their daily volume, their history, uh, but not know what's going on behind the scenes. And without disclosing what's going on behind the scenes, it's pretty extraordinary, as I'll say. That's right. Um, but again, when you research this thing, so like for my, you know, uh, uh, for your identification, you know, I myself went down to South Carolina to look at the first beta unit in the facility. And I was doing due diligence for maybe three, four, five months before, you know, Ian invited me down to look at this thing. And we opened it up and I pulled a little snowball off the thermal sheet and I ate it. Like I was watching this thing plugged into a standard electrical outlet making water. And I was watching the water drip. I like, opened up the sheet, grabbed that. He's like, yeah, isn't that the best water you ever tasted? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I was blown away. You can't find that information online. You can't experience that online. Right. So when you, you know, when you search, when you speculate, what are you going to find? You're going to find what's available. Obviously, behind the curtain, uh, a lot more is happening, as we all know, in just day-to-day -day genuine life experience. But uh, what's happening behind our curtain is about to be unveiled and in a big way. So the company actually has, uh, what is it, more than $85 million in order indications right now. Uh, for version one. And we'll obviously make improvements to the product as the years go on, kind of like a uh, similarity to that of the Apple iPhone. You know, you've got software updates, you've got new phones, new versions, new bells and whistles. So this thing is in a constant state of evolution, but it's exciting, man. Yep. Ground, would, flo ground floor, literally. We, That's right. we We're right here. And it's just... Yeah, you should come down with us to South Carolina to take a look at this thing. It is know. sick. I know. I'll come it's, down. Yeah. And, and you're coming down at the right time because this is, this is the one that's getting deployed into the field. You know, just a just a side note on that, right? Um, just want to say how happy I am for 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 Dan Lang for for getting better. Um, he, he had he had throat cancer, and you know we got him into NYU, and that you know they they they've saved his life, right? It's amazing. Um, he's gonna get to see his invention in I'm the very fruition, near future. Yeah. You know, in the field, yeah, for the first time ever. Right. In, in September sometime, he's going to see that, that first beta unit in the field. And he was very and close to not seeing that. As an inventor, that yeah. must be an unbelievable feeling. <laughs> that must be unreal to see what you've designed come like really think about like the first car, you know, the first real automobile that was rolled off the line. Yeah. That feeling of just, wow, it's it's here. And now we get to make improvements and fine tune and tweak it even more. If anybody but, deserves that feeling, it's Dan because he's yeah. the sweetest guy you've ever met. He, he is. He's an amazing dude. Um, we we become friends over the years, not just colleagues, but friends. And you know when he had when he when we brought him up from Mexico, you know he had stage four you know throat cancer when we got him into NYU, and that was on March twenty seventh, right. And that thing was the size of a grapefruit. Of this year? Of this year. Yeah. Damn. It was the size of a grapefruit when he got here. And I said to Dan when, we, when he got here, I said, listen, listen, brother, this is as much about medicine as it is about positive mental attitude. And you got to want this, right? But if you want it, I'm going to promise you, I promise you we're getting you to the right place. I'm going to promise you you're going to see your beta in the field. So in September, he's going to be able to get to see that beta in the field. Incredible. Someone's got to have a camera on him. When yeah. he actually oh, sees will. it, yeah, we you gotta have a camera right on him for yeah. right when that, right when you turn that mm -hmm. thing on, and it just starts doing doing exactly what he envisioned it to do, yep. and created it to do. That's unbelievable. So now he lives up here full time. He's up here. Yeah, he's gonna be up here for for quite some time. Okay, yeah. cool, good. 
And we'll keep him with the good health care. And... We, we, we need to keep him right where he is. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's in He good... probably had cleaner food down there, but we got to keep him with the good well, health care. Let me tell you something else, and this is just a shout-out to, to NYU. Maybe. You know, yeah, the Yucatan, man? Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. clean, man. They, they did they did an amazing job. Yeah. You know, that, that team at NYU, just an incredible job. Just not, not just, you know, the, the, the treatment itself, but walking him through each step of the treatment, having you – know, I was in the room on, 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 on many of those – in yeah, everybody's just, ear, like when you, when you, what are you doing? Where you go? When are we doing this? Yeah. But that now, <laughs> that, now, like... now we you could back, you could backtrack and go back to culture of yeah. a company. How yeah. many CEOs? How many owners? How many founders? How many people are going to be doing that? You know, like yeah, okay, you care for the person, mm-hmm. but to what extent? Like you actually feel like this is family, like this is real. Like mm-hmm. so, not everyone's going to be like that. Not everyone's going to be that intent on when, making sure that their team yeah. is not only working and doing what they do best to help the company, but healthy that's because right. that's mm-hmm. that's important to everybody and everything yeah. that's right that's right and look you mean you know at this moment in time right you know he he's he he at, at a certain point in time you know, when he comes back into you know into full focus right when he when he's able to because i told him i said look right now we got this right you're you know don't even think about this stuff right now we got this Right. I, I don't want I want you to focus on one thing and one thing only. And that that is get better. He drew right? the wheel. That's it. He drew the wheel, designed everything. Now, let, let us sculpt it while you rest right. up. That's we'll right. Three more and make a car. Right? Uh, yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you this much. When he comes back, there's so much there's so many good ideas in that brain of his that, you know, we're going to start to see more of those towards the end of the year. And, and you know, his impact on the world's not finished yet. So you see revisions and you see, obviously, evolutions of this device um i would go i would i would go to say do you see different sized applications and smaller oh, totally. packages and whatnot totally. to yeah. different areas that maybe so now goes back to the solar question mm-hmm. so obviously it's just fitting it out for it well, but think i'm of, thinking about people in remote areas that don't have are just regular yeah. 120 i mean eventually you'll have i'm sure you know the microwave size system and it's really just uh you know, proportionally drawing it to scale. Um, I'm but trying to envision it, and I can't. I'm trying to like pull think up of, a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if we were if if we were. Yeah, pull up a picture. I'll be right back. Sure. I wasn't sure if we were going into that. Yeah, like so. Global Aqueduct. There it is. Let's see. Oh, okay. Is that it? Let me see. Yeah, that's that's what it that's that's what it looks like. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, you know that that. Oh, that, and you got the little spout on the back. Yeah. Oh, so okay. There's, there's gonna be a couple coming out the side. That was one of the original. Oh, there's one of the original, original renders designs. Um, but they're coming out the side now. But it's probably you know, easier than just on the bottom because then how right. you know you have to have it propped up on something. That's right. Okay. Um, so you know that that system is about. The system right now is about, let's call it four and a half by three and a half by about five and a half feet tall. Okay. So, so yeah, like you said, not, small fridge, not, not, nothing not really. Huge. No, it's, it's, not a, it's not a huge footprint. Um, but I would compare this one to, this is like the first cell phone ever built. Yeah. Right. You know, this is the one you carry in a briefcase, <laughs> right? Only the cool kids have them, but they're only cool until the iPhone comes out. Right, our iPhone version is not there yet. Right, and and those are things that are happening in the background. We filed some additional 
um, provisional patents for those things, and we'll start working on them. But the the goal right now is to get to minimum viable product. And there there's another you know maybe just a a life lesson that I've learned over time, right? And that is you know for for a product. So you don't let your engineers decide what the product looks like, right? That's, you you, you have to make those decisions yourself, right? And and you have to, because the engineers, at the end of the day, they want to keep doing what's best for the product, right? They want to keep refining it, refining it. You have to determine as a product person, what's important to you at that moment. What am I willing to give on, right? And that's why project management and product management become two different things, right? Because my my project management will get adjusted by my product decisions, right? So if, if all of a sudden I see that we can't quite hit something, well, is it good enough right now for a minimum viable product? If it is, then let's check the box and move to the next thing. And don't get stuck on this. You, you, it's easy to get stuck on those things and get into what I like to call get ready to get ready mode, right? You don't want to be, you know, you know paralysis by analysis is a real thing, right? You don't want to get yeah. stuck there, right? You want to you want to you want to lay out your product features that you need that get you the benefits that are going to be able that you're going to be able to sell, and you want to check those boxes one by one. And once you check them, don't go back. Don't go back until you're done with that first version or you're done with that minimum viable product. Once you're done with that and you have that pushed out the door, then you go back and you take a look at all those other things that ended up on the vision board and you recalibrate. But that's, you know, that's why we're here, right, is, is that constant looking at, okay, well, how do we get to a product? How do we get to something I can sell? How, how do we get to, and I don't care if it's, you know, nobody has anything like it. So it's, nobody has any, you know, let's pretend nobody has any cell phones out there. This is the first ever cell phone. Well, yeah, it's got a briefcase. You got to carry around with <laughs> yeah. it. Okay. But that's okay right. because it doesn't exist anywhere else right now. That's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller until we just have that little thing that we carry around in our pocket. Yeah. Right? If you're dying of thirst, you don't really care what the system looks like, you know, and, and version one was just plugged into a wall with, you know, styrofoam <laughs> uh, literally ho- holding up components of the system. Right. Uh, they obviously didn't paint it? Cool colors? Sorry. Bunch <laughs> of bullshit. That's crazy. Nah, you know what? Keep the water. Uh, Keep right. it. Right. I'll, I'll try to find a different one. <laughs> so it's funny that I... It's like, fuck this water. Um, I, I love watching tech evolve. Yes. I love... I, I worked at Apple for years. I love seeing new revisions of phones. I mean, I've jumped between Android, iOS. I just, I like different things. Um, but because of business, I've stuck with iOS because it's just easier for me. The airdrop and editing on my Mac and whatnot. So the, the, the capabilities of it have just better suited for what I do. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, every year, you know, they talk about the new revisions, the new phones. They go, oh, well, it's just like two or three more features than last year's. And mm-hmm. it's not, well, it's like exactly what you just said. Yeah. You have to innovate and make a product and stick to it. And then you can look at other revisions down the line. But if you're just making a product for a year and then all of a sudden you go, oh, well, we could add this feature that would be good. It's like, oh, shit. All right. Well, now we scrap it and we go back to the drawing board. It's like that's not what you can do. do. You can't do that shit. That's right. So you start start listening to people and you go, they they can't do that. They have to release these things in functional waves of of the technology. That's right. And when they're ready. Right. So, you know, and if you, and again, that's where 
the product person becomes very important here. And I, I, I sit in that role quite a bit, right? Where I go, okay, you're always, let's, let's remember what we're selling here. We're selling benefits. The benefit here is we're producing water at a very low cost, right? And you're going so, humanitarian first, which is what, exactly what you that's, had said. That's right. So th those, that's the benefit we're selling. The features and how that happens or we get stuck on them sometimes, especially as science people. Like my science brain can get stuck on, on features often, <laughs> right? And I go, oh, wait a second, hold on a second. Is that really important to the benefit that I'm selling right now? And those are the questions you constantly have to ask yourself to make sure that you're, you're, you know, you're focusing on the benefits, right? Science people like to focus on features because you know, features are cool. Mm -hmm. And that's, those, those are things we get stuck on. Um, but it's the benefits that are most important. And if, if I can check the boxes and get to this benefit that I'm going to sell, and I know I can sell that benefit, then I've got an exchange of value that I can, that I, that I can propose to somebody. And what sounds sexier than, hey, you want the cleanest, cheapest water on earth? We got you. Got you. Nothing. That's right. Fuck nothing sexy. Fuck Fiji. We nothing have to, nothing no, sexy. You don't got to get that. anything from any island. That's we right. got you right here. Right. That's it. No pollutants. Nope. Nothing. We're freezing it. No pipelines. Y'all like snow cones? And, and you're right. in control of your water now. Right, not a oh, politician. He said it's it a, again. I love that. Yeah. Oh my god, that's like yeah. that's like just it hits a certain thing in my brain that just goes. Oh, I You're need in more of, of that. Water, yeah, that's right. Control yeah. Of my water because I want to be control of my food and everything. I don't right. want to have to rely on other people. I, I, it's you. You start going back to a. Pro, the more you see just from ulterior motives of human beings and in different industries, like you had said earlier. The more you see everybody's hand in each pot and doing different things and what benefits me versus like what benefits the actual consumers, mm -hmm. you want to be in control of these things. You want to be the one that makes the decision. How clean is my water going to be? Like I don't want to have to rely on somebody else to filter out my water when I know they're not doing a good job now. Right. That's right. Scary. That's right. Oh, it's so scary. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> and, and that and that is, you know, that – so when you think about selling benefits, right? And I, this is just, you know, sort of marketing 101, right? I'm not selling features on this machine. You know, how, how, you know, how, the, how the water freezes inside the machine is something cool that Matt and I like to geek out on, right? I like that too. But it's not important. It's not, it's not the benefit we're selling. The benefit we're selling is the fact that we're actually producing, a, you know, water constantly and consistently wherever you want it, Right. And you, as the consumer, can put that anywhere you want, and you now control your water supply. That's the benefit we're selling. And like you said, ground um, like we've said a few times now, ground floor. This is the first anything. So it's like mm -hmm. the sky is literally the limit. That's and right. yeah. as long as the product that you're creating for this first run especially, as long as it aligns with the mission statement of what you guys got this, gotten you know, all of this together for, the years of development, all the struggles, everything that you're doing to bring this to market, as long as that checks the box for the mission statement and that, then it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah. As far as impact, uh, again, I, I can't not say this Sorry for the double negative, but I b truly believe that this technology may be the most significant in humankind. And I think the company has real uh, potential, let alone the aspiration, to become the world's first $10 trillion company almost overnight because it's water. Who doesn't need water? Not just water, clean water. How many days can we go without water? Three? That's right. 
Yeah. I, I will say that I can't I can't comment on uh on, on stock price, but you know, we are one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for some type of a stance. Okay. Uh, I, I will say this. We we are we are one of those companies that, you know, yeah, we're at 30 cents or 40 cents today. What right? was that ticker? <laughs> <laughs> but but we are one of those companies that you wake up one day and you go, wait. How did I miss that? Yeah. I thought they were at 30 or 40 cents. But yeah. we, we, we're one of those companies that you wake up one day yeah. and you go, hold on a second. When did that happen? Right. Right. Those events are coming. Um, I certainly am not going to comment on, on overall market cap, but you know, we, we do, ha- we, we I'm are just speculating. Point. Don't mind me. There was the disclaimer guys. So <laughs> we're clear. This is all speculative in nature. Yes. And just Man. like I've given some health advice, I'm not a doctor. So uh, consult your uh, normal physician. Wait, you're right. not a doctor? But no. Oh. <laughs> I click buttons and I just make Oops. videos and but things. You, you make it look so good. <laughs> it looks good. It looks good. Um, but, you know, it, the, the, we are at a point where we're at that inflection point, you know, from a public market standpoint. And, you know, the, the sky is... The sky is the limit for us. I'm not sure how high the sky is, but we're 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 gonna we're gonna go test it. We're told oh, it's yeah. X amount high, but I've never I've never seen it or been up there, so it could be higher. I have no idea. That's right. Yeah. Um, let me ask you on a personal, like just a human level, uh, without the companies and stuff like that. How does it feel? How does it feel to see all this come to fruition? It it's so it's super cool to get up in the morning and you know look at my kids right and go, hey, you know what? I'm making the world a better place for them. Actually, yeah, when people we're, we're, think they are and they're not, it, but you yeah, actually there's, are. There's real impact that's going to happen here, right? It, you know, this is this is a technology that has real reach, real impact, um, and the things that we can we can collaborate on with other people to attach to this to to this technology as a solution, right? Not just selling products, but creating other solutions off of it are, you know, limitless. Right, because when you think about it, water becomes the basis for pretty much all the solutions you need in the world. Right, you're, esta- so, you're establishing longevity for the human race. Life, that's right. Life. So you think about vertical agriculture. We we have you know a, a colleague of ours that that we're talking to right now, and we're very close to reaching an agreement with for collaborating. He has some of the most fascinating vertical growing patents oh, yeah. in the world, right? And what do you need to be able to take those vertical growing patents and the, the vertical growing tech and implement it in water stressed areas? You need to be able to create water. So now you think about the combination of those two things. Now I got water and I got food. So there, there's a lot of different things we can build off of this to can not just make an impact with what we have, but continue making a bigger and bigger impact. The gentleman he's talking about, by the way, is my good friend, Chris Kaminsky, who owns Precision Cultivation Systems. So... I just wanted to give them a shout out. When you say vertical growing, I know it's not your specialty, but vertical growing, you mean just so, the agriculture in a yeah, so, high so, elevation or just in, in actual just... So his systems in uh, very layman's terms can yield about 30 to 40% more plant growth across crop and agriculture in Oh, you're talking about scalability number-wise, gotcha. Okay. At, let's say, 60 to 70% of the duration of current growth. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's an impressive system. It's so, you, so, you have, so you have food, water, and then who, right. who are we bringing in for air? You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I already told you. I'm not an engineer. Go get, I, go get schooled, bro. I operate these cameras. <laughs> I could do that. I, <laughs> we, do have, we, do have a, we do have an added benefit 
that comes off of the machine that was kind of an aha moment, you know, when we were creating it, right? So sometimes you create these things and you go, wait a second, that's kind of cool. Like I didn't see that one coming, but we gotta, we gotta file some provisionals on this stuff. And, um, you know, the, 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 the waste air that we have coming out of this is cold, dry air. Refrigeration. So when you think about, when you think about that, you know, now you're creating water, but you also have cold, dry air coming out of this. So there's some pretty cool stuff happening here that we can use to, to further benefit, um, you know, sustainability, you know, and, and sustainable living. What are some of the emerging countries that you're looking to uh, deploy these in uh, for, I guess, beta testing? So we're going to keep, if you can we're, say, we're, we're going to keep it close right now. Okay. So you're um, going to keep it internal it, to the States. Not, not just the States. We're also going to, we're, we're going to do something in the Caribbean as well, because there, there are reasons that I, I would like to test down in, in, in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. um, in terms of absolute humidity, but they're, they're not to get too sciencey, but there's reasons I, I'd want it. I'd want that in, in sort of the, the initial tests. Um, can you elaborate on the science? Sure. So, you know, when, when you have evaporation in the air, the, the 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 water vapor in our air comes from evaporation primarily from the oceans. So if you have an island like the Caribbean where you have the sun beating down on it all the time, you are in the highest point of evaporation, right? So a lot of evaporation that comes off of the oceans comes from those type of environments. So they're sitting in evaporation central. When you sit in evaporation central, that means your absolute humidity levels are going to go up, Right. And when your absolute humidity levels go up, the more absolute humidity I'm pushing through the system, the more water I get. So the question is, how much more water do you get, you know, in a, let's call it an Arizona environment? It's essentially climate and altitude, right? Um, climate, altitude, yeah, altitude will have a little bit to do with it as well. Yeah. Um, but but the primary the, the primary issue is going to be, you know, how much water vapor mass is in the air. Right. And you said that currently it's 200 liters a day is what your your system will yield. Yes, and that's, and that's under standard. That's based on that's based on if we put it in Arizona. Okay. So the question is, what's the range of that if I put it in, let's say, St. Martin? Will it stress the system out, or will it just create as it goes? Just create more. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just creates more mass, right? There's more. Think about think about water. Vapor. I wasn't sure if that's all it could handle as a system. But theoretically, it's it's infinitely scalable on how much it can do. It just depends on the the environment. It depends on how much. So you, you know, talking about mass, right? You, you know, the it depends on how much water vapor mass we're putting through the system, right? So it's kind of like you know, if you're eating protein to, you know, to to grow muscles, right? Depends on how much protein you're eating, right? So how much protein mass there is, right? Well, same with the system, right? How much water I'm creating depends on how much water vapor mass I'm putting through the system. Gotcha. So if I'm at 1% water vapor mass in Arizona, but I'm at 4% water vapor mass with the same airflow in St. Martin, theoretically, I should be four times the amount, right? Hmm. But the question is how much, right? And then so, it becomes, a, I, I guess, one of the struggles becomes keeping up with the flow of how much it's going to be producing. I mean, what do you have to do? You have to hook that up to a system that has a large aquifer or something that captures it? Large cistern. Yeah. Okay. Some, some sort of large cistern. Stainless steel cistern is probably the best. That thing will last for, you know, 50 years. Okay. Right? With Without microbials being built into it. Yeah, because so, then you have to worry about buildup and whatnot as it keeps going through and through and through. Yeah. Stainless steel cistern is probably the best way to go. 
okay. uh, on, on those type of things. But that's primarily what they use in the islands anyway. And now are we taking this from that stainless steel cistern? Are we then, f- we don't have to filter anything. Do you have to worry about anything leaching out from the stainless steel, you know, then I mean, introducing you, anything? You wouldn't have to do much filtration. I would never recommend that you don't do any, right? But I mean, small, you know, a, a simple filter is, is all you're going to need, right? You, you'd want to you'd have that safety redundancy there anyway. Um, the water coming off of the, you know, off of that sheet, right, off of the, the harvesting area is going to be perfectly pure. Now, could there be something that happens in between where it gets to the cup that you're drinking out of? Well, that that part, I, I don't know, right? There, there, there might be the potential for a small amount of that to happen. It wouldn't be a large amount. So all you it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be like a garden hose nowadays. Exactly. No. Yeah. No, it's not even going to be close to that. So you'd want a simple filtration system on the back end, but you wouldn't need a, for example, an RO system. You know, that's first osmosis. Yeah. You wouldn't need that. You know, that's 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 unnecessary. You wouldn't need a UV lighting for per se. Could you use one? Sure. Is it going to hurt you to use one? No. no. So, but is it going to really yield the benefits that you're looking for? Probably not. But if it makes you feel better use it, right? It's the, 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 what you don't want to do is, is waste the water, right? And that's what an RO system would do, right? Yeah, because there's a certain amount that it actually collects as not deemable. That's right. It pushes it back through. Pushes it back through. So, you, you know, you wouldn't want to do reverse osmosis, but, you know, a small filtration system, the thing's going to last. I mean, uh, you know, the, the amount of, you know, amount of stuff that it's going to be collecting in there should be so minimal that that filter is going to last you a long time. And we're filtering it at the level after the stainless steel is what we're saying. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, because there wasn't anything built into there because it's clean. It, it, it it's be. really what, real, what really what we're filtering is anything that it might have leached out from the collection system. Possibly, yeah. If that. If, if that. that. Yeah. I mean, you know, with a if you have a pressurized stainless steel cistern, the chances of you having microbials in there anyway is pretty slim. Slim. Um, but do you want to... Do you want to put something on there to make yourself feel a little better? It ain't going to cost much. Yeah. It's, it's, you're not talking about a significant expense. So, yeah, put it on. It's, and you said, and you, said you use a TDS pen? I do. Is yeah. it everywhere you go? <laughs> I, I, it, I did, it was I did, for a while. I did for a little while. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. We started going out to dinner. He's like, look, dip it in the wine. Dip it in the beer. <laughs> no, don't do it because now I'm going to know. <laughs> That's all. And what, and what have you found? I mean, probably from, from a tap, tap water is scary. Right? Tap yeah. water is scary. Nuts. Scary. Tap, scary. I yeah. mean, the at the facility, we were at 127 parts per million, right? <sighs> so I mean, you're 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 way up there, right? I mean, like you, you know, don't drink that. That's that's a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I've tested this stuff coming. So interesting, you know, interesting, you know, factoid on like atmospheric water generators. Right. We're a deposition water harvester. We're not an atmospheric water generator, but the old legacy tech atmosphere water generation, which is what everybody hears about. So a couple of things about that. One, it's it's like having a glorified air conditioner. And as you know, as your air conditioner does air conditioning in your house, mm-hmm. it drips out water. Right. Yep. And that water drips into a pan and it leaks out in, in a leak line right out into wherever, into the yard or out, you know, out 
top of the roof or it the attic. It sprays onto right. me. I have a split duct unit in my apartment. Okay. And that shit just keeps spraying. I'll be so laying shower on the couch. I'll, I'll be laying on the couch and that shit will just like all of a sudden drops will hit me in the face. I'll look around I'm like, what, you, what, you, what mm. is that? So, and I'll see that they'll be ha- the beads of water will be hanging off the yeah. off the. So that's as, atmospheric yes. water harvest. It's like one of these in my apartment. <laughs> that's, that's exactly, that's that's exactly right. There you go. Water generation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, the problem with that is it's very high in microbials. Right, so the question I always like to ask people is, you know, if you would you drink water out of the back of your air conditioner? Fuck and no, no, it'd be a bad idea. <laughs> no right? way. So that that's one problem with atmospheric water generators, right? It's also uh, expensive. It's very expensive, right? You think about how much electric it it it, it requires. So it just for example purposes. Atmospheric water generators, studies have shown that, you know, they produce about 0.55 liters per kilowatt hour, right? 0.55 liters per kilowatt hour. And you guys are producing about 13 liters per kilowatt kilowatt hour. hour. So you look at the massive difference in yield per, you know, yield to power. It's not, it's not even in the same conversation. Yeah. They're, they're competing technologies out there that have literally 20, you know, 20 X the physical footprint of, of our system with a, f- a microfraction of the yield. It's just not practical. And the other thing that is sort of deceptive about their advertising, right, is that they'll say things like, this, this machine will do, this atmospheric water generator will do f- up to 500 liters a day. Up to 500, but it's up to. Mm-hmm. And the way they do that calculation is based on the most optimal environment possible. Right. Why which would, may why would which, they which, right. which will probably only exist at, a, at at you know for a few seconds a day if that right right when in reality it's shown you know the studies have shown they don't really only produces somewhere between sixteen to eighteen percent of that number yeah right mm-hmm. so we don't have that same problem we're we're giving a minimum number right hey we're gonna do at least two hundred liters so. You know, they're doing the up to number. We're doing, hey, no, no, no. We're doing at least this. Are you sure your competition is an optimum? Because they seem to do that with my internet. <laughs> <laughs> up to 500 Touché. megs download. Then you Touché. do it. And it's just like three. Uh, <laughs> what, what happened here? What are we doing here? I got, I got one of those calls the other day. Oh Somebody's like chewing my ear off about like, you know, the difference between three or four or 500 megabeeps per second. And I just kind of thought to myself, what the hell is a megabeep? <laughs> <laughs> megabeep. <laughs> It's, it's 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 when they're hitting you with. Um, Look, I know when I flick on that light. Uh, I know when I turn that light switch on. It's this turns on. It's, yes, it's, I don't know how it works. It's the undercoating for your car. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, it that's is. What it is. Right. Spray on undercoating because exactly. you live in a rust area. Exactly, it's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what were you saying? They were saying, um, what was that? What was the competing technology called? Atmospheric water. Atmospheric. Okay. Water generators, yeah. Right. This is deposition water Yeah, I was going to say, do you have a lot of people that... All the time. Okay, yeah. I was going to yeah, They'll send it in and they'll go, hey, no, well, they, I just found one that can do, you know, 10,000 gallons a day. And it's like, well, first of all, you're looking at an image that doesn't give you the full perspective of that. That's about the size of a trailer truck, right? Maybe two trailer trucks, the one you're looking at. And also, it's only going to do about 16 to 18% of that. So do your math off of that. Right. And then we can talk. Expensive, right? dirty... You name it, All right? But Helixa has the aqueduct is the ex- and exclusively the only solution on the planet doing deposition water harvesting. It's the first and only. First and now and you've only. used the, the the term the first iPhone. Like the, this is the first. Yeah. This is the first iPhone. This yeah. the, there's this so many ways that you're going to be able to 
uh, increase the con- the the capabilities of the unit, make it smaller, make it big, whatever you need to do, 100%. which is amazing. Yep. How do you how do you keep it as the iPhone is the best term that I can, you know what I'm saying? Versus falling way to like a BlackBerry. Well, I mean, fortunately, the company has the utility on the IP. You know, we have the utility patents. The IP portfolio is constantly going to be in a state of growth, cool. right? So you compound that IP portfolio as we start to invest money in R&D and cultivate new technologies. Fortunately, we have some really smart people like a Chris Kaminsky, who I name dropped earlier, that are going to help us create the next iterations of this technology. Um, but Again, we don't want to take away from the impact that it has now. And to Ian's point, you got to solve for today and push out for today. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're doing. Yeah, were you going to say something? You know, filing patents, you know, we're filing additional patents. Where we filed additional provisional patents. And nobody knows what's in those, right? We know what's in them. Nobody else knows what's in them. So our competition is going to have to constantly keep wondering what we have coming next. Um, We've got some really cool stuff that, you know, we know about internally that, you know, we're not going to talk about until we're ready to release it. But that's how you, 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 you don't, it's, it's again, going back to the soccer analogy, you don't stop moving the ball, right? It's okay. We scored. Now we're going to get the ball back and we're going to keep moving the ball, right? And we're going to score again. Yeah. We're not happy we're, with we're, one, nothing. We're, we're not we're, happy with right, two, nothing. We got to make this a slaughter. Right? It's, that's right. We're going to keep moving the ball and we're going to keep scoring. Right. But we don't get we don't we don't all of a sudden, you know, score and then just start playing defense. You know, we we got to keep we got to keep iterating. We got to keep scoring. And we've got we've got a team that that can that's more than capable of doing that. Yeah. We have really stellar people, like really amazing people connected to this thing. It's amazing. Yeah. And then in terms of the the board and the people that are on it, like you were mentioning earlier, uh, I find it interesting that you've that there's a lot of politicians and ex you know military and whatnot do you find that it was their background that would help with that side of dealing with washington dc and whatnot like do you think that having that type of a background would benefit you guys that much did they bring other things and experiences to the table that would propel the company forward or was it the connections that they had in terms of that as well i think each of them has brought and contributed to where we've, we've gone, right? Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Military. I didn't serve in the military. I don't know anything about the military apparatus. I don't know anything about DOD. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand what the budgeting process is. I don't understand what the procurement process is. I don't understand any of that stuff. But you sit down with Chris Miller or you sit down with some of the other people that have been around it and you go, okay, you know, I got, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting the inside, you know, the inside scoop from the former Secretary of Defense, right? Well, I think that guy knows a little something about how that apparatus works. Right. Just a few. Yeah, just, yeah. just, just, just a, little a little bit. bit. Your playbook so, is written at that point. It, yeah. So, so you know- And this is, you, by the way, this is the answer that I assumed it was going to be. Yeah, it just, yeah, I, I kind of had to feed it up. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to learn those lessons by yourself, right? Because we would have spent, you know, in my mind, it's like, okay, well, let's go get a, con- you know, let's go get a contract ourselves from DOD. Well, turns out that that would have been a, big colossal mess mess and waste of time <laughs> yeah. because the ability to do that and not go through a prime contractor who already has contracts is a complete mistake right, right? so learning that without making those mistakes is what is what you get from an advisory board so when i think advisory board look they're they're coming on and obviously lending their name to what we're doing 
is is something I'm very thankful for. That means that they saw something here, they believed in it, and they're willing to lend their name to it, right? That's important. But I, without, you know, every single one of them has added more than that, right? Every single one of them has contributed something else to that, to the process. Understanding how congressional committees work and how bills get written. Well, Denver understands that, right? And he's, you know, he's a former congressman. Rich, Rich Alloway is a former state senator, right? Pennsylvania, three-time state senator of Pennsylvania. He's on the team, right? He's, he's actually on our executive team. And he understands how that process works, right? So understanding how that process works as opposed to figuring it out, all that stuff saves you time and effort and saves you mistakes. So they've all contributed yeah. in, in one regard. It's like an orchestra. You know, you have a trombone, a baritone, uh, you know, oboist, and then at the helm you have the conductor conducting the orchestra, you know, and everybody's yeah, everyone's the expert. Profici- everyone's yeah. proficient in their areas of yeah. expertise, and that, that helps like this, the team go forward. It was, right. it was like the Steve Jobs philosophy, you know. It's it's really, and again, it's uh, it's a lot of fun watching Ian, you know, have the conversation he does and, did, you know, doing what he do what doing what he does do's, <laughs> doing what he do, do. Do's what he doing do's. what he do <laughs> that one <laughs> that's awesome. every day yeah. that's it's awesome yeah. um so how can how can people listening how can they follow the progress do you guys have do you have social pages are you guys throwing content out we you do know? yep we have a, we have a social page um helixa helixa inc has has uh has a linkedin page it has uh, a twitter uh, we do put out, um, and, and Facebook for that matter. Uh, so we do put out um, information on there. We also uh, put out press releases. So obviously follow the ticker, uh, Helixa, and you know it's it, the symbol is E M O R. Uh, we never actually changed the the symbol. That, that, that was a process with uh, with Finra that I didn't feel like going through. So um, Save the I'll, headaches. I'll, I'll, I'll wait until we go to the NYSE, and it's a whole lot easier. Uh-huh. So. Uh, at this point in time, you know that is the ticker, and they can follow us there. And they'll see all of our releases. Uh, but there's there's plenty of news to come out, and this is this is the time to keep us on your radar screen. That's amazing. Listen, I appreciate you, and Matt, I'm ever appreciative of you uh, bringing amazing people to come talk and amazing stories that I can't wait to now follow more in depth uh, and just see the exponential growth that you guys are going to be able to accomplish and. Even more so, the amount of people that you're going to be able to impact, mm-hmm. especially not in our country, other countries. Because listen, you gotta. There's a lot of people that aren't as fortunate as us. You know, we woke up. We just were just born. We were woke up in the United States, in a specific state, in a in a in a certain household. Like, we didn't have a choice on that, and we got a really lucky draw, unlike yeah. a lot of other people. So, just the small things that we take for granted, like clean water, oh, yeah. food on the table, whatnot. You know, beaches to go to. No, I don't want to go to the North Shore. It's mostly rocky. It's like, bro, it's fucking people. People it's can't. People aren't drinking water in the in, in the middle of nowhere. You're actually so. making a great point. You know, it's funny working on this project every day is like it, it. It's that emotional reminder that like we're actually, you know, impacting the world, changing the world, and we did get the best luck of the draw. We really yeah. did, um, and it brings that into the forefront, at least in my mind, every day. Um, you know, the first thing I told you was like, you know, and you know, I'm scattered i'm all over the place and investments all over the place but realistically i told him from day one i want to quit everything i'm doing and work for you this is the first thing i told him this is if this is what i think it is and i went down and saw the thing i was sold um you made one snow cone that was it i was <laughs> I, I didn't even get the cone it's just in my yeah, hand. that's what i'm saying it's my hand, hand cone <laughs> all right we have a really funny joke about that another time but <laughs> yeah, we'll um, cut the mic off no but you, you know you, you know what the you know what the truth is like um 
it's it's like a privilege to be working on a technology that is genuinely going to change the face of the planet. It's really awesome and uh thanks for having me on board. Yeah, and and, and thank you and for, for having, having us. Show. Nick. Yeah. Oh, come it's, on. It's always it's, you know getting getting things like this out require conversation and it's you know you inviting us on the show and letting us speak to your audience and 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 your friends um it's important right otherwise nobody knows we exist nobody knows what we're doing so we really appreciate the opportunity to do that and no you're, uh, and you're helping us change the world oh that's awesome i appreciate y'all for real yeah. I, I just like having good like i said earlier when we start everything off i just like having really cool conversations with people that are doing awesome things and that's why the podcast has you know started and that's why it'll always be here and continue hmm. because there's a lot of things happening in the world while everyone's focusing on their, you know, what do they say? Oh, I'm the main character of my other story. Okay. Right. Yeah, we get it. Like everyone's the main character, but there are so many main characters that everyone's working on their main character thing. So right. there's a, there are so many cool innovations and things to benefit the world and change the face of the, of, of the planet that we live on that most people don't even know about. Like, mm-hmm. When he said water deposition, he's like literally making water out of, water out of, out of thin air. And I went, uh, what? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Never heard of that. That's so right. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really cool to actually sit intellectually, have a conversation, talk about things. And then this increases my knowledge base on this topic. So I can tell people that I hang out with like, yo, you got to check this out. This shit's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And that's how the conversation, exactly what you said, gets out. That's right. So- um, on that note, I appreciate everybody for listening. Thank Thanks this, for having us. I believe is episode fifty nine or, or or sixty. I have to get better at that. I'm just like horrible at that. I just I come in, I rip the episodes. I don't even know what episode I'm on. Perfect. Doesn't matter. Y'all see it in the show, in the, uh, show notes. But on that note, peace. Thanks for having us. Thank you.